Would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to be in your house here this morning. Father, we thank you that we're able to gather together as a church family, open your word, and learn from you here today, Father. And I just pray that hearts would be receptive, Father, that uh, we'd learn that which you have us to learn here today, Father. And we're just thankful for that opportunity to do that. Father, this morning we do want to bring Corey before you and ask that you be with him throughout this day, that you just minister to his heart, that you give him health and strength. Father, that you give his body healing, encouragement. Father, we do think of Benjamin Bond, and we just ask that you continue to be with him and lift him up. And uh, we think of Maxine, and that you give her recovery at this time and the strength and health that she needs. And uh, Father, we just uh, we, we think of Beth and her loss at this time, Father, and how she must be grieving. And just ask that you comfort her heart, Father, that she would know that it is you Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, and verse 10, we'll start here, Exodus 3 and verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, what? Who am I? Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? And that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly what? I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel... And shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, What? I am. I am, that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I kind of got on this thought as I was reading through the scriptures in, in a book, uh, chapter of Psalms, and, and the Lord it has several statements, the Lord is, the Lord is, and I thought, wow, that's, that's a tremendous thought there, and so we're starting here, and so Moses' first question to God was, who am I? Who am I to lead Israel out of Egypt? You know, after 40 years of being on the backside of the desert, he wasn't uh, quite with it, you know, handling crowds and being in front of people. He'd, he'd been alone for a long time, basically alone. Um, notice in chapter 3 and verse 1, <clears throat> excuse me, Exodus 3, 1, the Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to what? Backside. The backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Oreb. So the backside of the desert. Uh, not many people dwelling back there, that's for sure. So Moses is now 80 years old. Look in chapter 7 and verse 7. 
So for 40 years, he hasn't been around crowds. He's just been around the animals, taking care of them. He's now 80, uh, Exodus 7, 7. And Moses was what? Four score years old. So a score is 20. So four 20s is 80. Four score years old. And Aaron, four score and three years old when they spake unto Pharaoh. So, so when he's 40 years old, Moses is ready. He's, he thinks, hey, I can do it. I can lead Israel out of Egypt and deliver them. If you notice in Acts 7, uh, we find Stephen, he's being persecuted and will be stoned right after he finishes this message. And he's talking about Moses in his message to the Jews. Acts 7.22 And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in what? In words and in deeds. So we'll see that Moses thought he could not speak well. Moses said he was not eloquent. Well, after 40 years of not speaking before people, I'm sure he felt that way, but... Stephen notes in here that he was mighty in words and in deeds. Verse 23, and when he was what? Full 40 years old. old, It came into his heart to visit his brother and the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood How that God, by what? His hand would what? Deliver them. But they understood not. And of course, Moses was a type of Christ. A picture, an illustration. When Moses came the first time, they rejected him. And that's exactly in verse um, 26 there. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, Ye are brethren, why do you wrong one one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? So, verse 27, they rejected him as a ruler and a judge. And that's exactly what they did to Christ when Christ came along. Did they accept the fact that he cleansed the temple? No. They said, who gave thee this authority? Well, he brings up John the Baptist. Well, if you, where did John get his authority from? If you tell me, then I'll tell you. Well, they didn't want to say one way or another because the people accepted John the Baptist as a prophet. And the religious Jews, leaders, did not accept John, that his message was from heaven. So it was a picture here, but... He was ready. The point here I wanted to show you is at verse 23. When he was 40, he was ready to deliver Israel. But they were not ready for him. And he had his own plan. If he had to take out the Egyptians one by one, he was willing to do that. But that was not God's plan. When God brought him back to actually lead Israel out of Egypt... How many Egyptians did Moses personally have to kill to accomplish that task? (laughs) Zero. When he came back, he did not 
physically lay hands on one Egyptian. God would do that. On the Passover night, the firstborn in every home would die. And then as Pharaoh and his army chased him, all of them, his army and Pharaoh, would die in the Red Sea. So it just it makes me think, you know, okay, when we think we have the strength to do something, learn a lesson from Moses. When he thought he could do it, he had his own plan, and it didn't work. And so he's 40 years in the wilderness. Now he's at the point where he thinks he can't do it. He can't do it in his power. He does not. In fact, if you go back to Exodus and look at chapters 3 and 4 here again. And let's look at 4 this time. Exodus 4.10. The Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not, what? Eloquent. Neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am, what? Slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Slow of speech and of a slow tongue. How many times have you thought, oh, I wish I could think faster. I wish I could think of something to say to this person or that person. Um, last, last evening, uh, we were out, and so I stopped and filled up the tank. We were in a place where gas is cheaper than Myers, and so uh, here anyway, in Greenville, and so decided to fill up. And so there was a, a young man out there who was emptying the trash at the gas station, and so I told him, I said, um, you know, I I know someone who took out all my trash. <laughs> it was the Lord Jesus Christ and gave him a gospel track. And then I went to get my receipt at the pump, and it didn't put out a receipt, so I had to go inside. And when I went inside, I understood why the pump didn't put out the receipt. And I was thankful because the young man inside was filled with piercings. I mean, he had a piercing through his septum in the center of his nose um, and just all over. And, and when he would talk, there, there was piercings all the way around his mouth. So whenever he would uh, have like fa- um, facial movement, it was like these piercings were sticking out further. And they, the piercings looked like a, uh, like a straight pin with a, a ball on the end of it. Uh, you ladies know what I'm talking about. It, the end, the ball wasn't white, but it, the the ball on the end was silver. But so he's got all of these, and just uh, every time he talked, and it, they would stick out further. I don't know how they're fastened inside, but I just and I told my wife, and we prayed before we left. That young man needs the Lord. You know. The Lord Jesus Christ was pierced for us so that we wouldn't have to be pierced. Um, And I'm talking about Galatians 3, if you turn there with me. Galatians 3. And I I just felt so bad. You know, obviously that young man is in a crowd where that's the end thing. You know, it's to just cover yourselves with... With piercings, but in Galatians three thirteen, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made what 
a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He, he was cursed for us. He was pierced for us. And I, I just feel bad. I, I can't imagine how uncomfortable that is. And all of those <clears throat> through <clears throat> his, his mouth area, I mean, <clears throat> you, would, you would think those piercings would seep saliva out, wouldn't you? I mean, I don't want to be gross here, but I mean, wouldn't you think if you were pierced through this area that you would get some moisture out of those holes? <laughs> it sure seems like it. And I just, I felt so bad for him that, that to be accepted in his group, he has to do something like that. Isn't it wonderful to be saved and not have to please men and follow their fads? It's just, what a relief it is. And I just, I'm thankful the pump did not put out a receipt. Um, so I had a chance to talk to that young man, and I just pray that he would get saved. Um, his name is Miles, spelled just like our grandson, Miles. It's M-Y-L-E-S. And uh, I just, uh, I pray someday I can see him uh, a Christian saved and not having to serve this old world. Well, let's go back to Exodus 3. So Moses tells God, um, you know, who am I to deliver Israel? Where before, 40 years previously, he was ready. Exodus 3.12. So how does God respond to him? God says to him in verse 12, certainly what? I will be with thee. I will be with thee. You know, we look at our own abilities, and maybe what we see really is our own disabilities, and we think, well, I couldn't do that. Well, actually, that is the exact attitude that God needs, doesn't he? He needs us to have the attitude and to know that we can't do it ourselves. So we'll look to him. So he doesn't try to build up Moses. Um, he just he says, certainly I will be with thee. Um, and, you know, thinking of going to where all those crowds of people are, he, what did God say? And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon what? This mountain. So, you know what, Moses? I'm asking you to do something, and I'm not asking you to do it in your own power, but when when I do this through you, you know what? I'm going to bring you back to you, this familiar spot right here. Right on this mountain, um, I'm going to have you lead all those people right back to this spot. So um, notice with me in Philippians 4. And you know, when God tells us that he will be with us, and he doesn't try to build us up. I mean, God could have done what uh, Stephen said to those people. Um, God could have said to Moses, hey, I know you're eloquent. I created your mouth. He'll tell them he created his mouth, but he didn't, he didn't try to build them up on his own strengths. In Philippians chapter 4, in verse 13, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through who? Christ, which strengtheneth me. So 
We don't stop at the, I can do all things. <laughs> no. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You know, Satan would have us like he, like he tried with Eve. You know, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He left off the last part of Genesis 2, 16 and 17. So Satan would like us to stop, verse 13. He would like us to stop with, I can do all things. But no, the last half of that verse is the most important. Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Reminds us the same thing in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Ephesians 6.10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong. Is that where he stops? No, what does he say? In the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in what? The power of his might. So it's the same thing. It doesn't stop with, hey, be strong, be strong. No, if that was just said to us, we might just think, well, it's got to be my own strength I, you know, bring up. No, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It says the same thing there. Notice with me in Psalm 46.1. Psalm 46.1. So, God may call us to do something that we think, I can't do that. Years ago, I called on someone to pray. He hadn't been saved too long. Um, his wife was on vacation, and he came to church. And that morning, I preached on John chapter 3. And that morning, he came forward and received Christ as a Savior. And, and I just thought he was growing good. And so it wasn't too long, and I asked him to pray. I, I, I didn't even ask him ahead of time. You know, I just in the service, I just called on him to pray. And, and his wife was there that day. And when I called on him to pray, he turned to his wife, and I heard him from the pulpit. He said, I can't do that. And I'm thinking, oh boy, now, now what trouble did I get myself into this time? Well, he prayed anyway, and he did fine. Um, but that is our thought so many times. God asks us to do something, and I can't do that. You know, maybe no one hears us say those words, but that's what we're thinking inside. I can't do that. I don't, I don't know how. I don't have the experience. I don't have the wisdom. I, I, I can't do it. Um, Psalm 46, verse 1. Uh, the Bible says, God is what? A refuge. a refuge. And what? Strength. A very present help in trouble. So, God is our refuge. He's the one we look to. Um, just recently, we went out to Muskegon and some of the lighthouses and other I don't know what you call them. They're not really lighthouses, but I don't know if they're like foghorns out there. I'm not sure exactly what they are. But um, So, you know, on a nice sunny day, uh, you know, the lighthouse isn't going, and none of those things out there, there's kind of one on each side of that lighthouse and um, at, different, at the end of different reefs. But... Um, none of them were being used. None of them were necessary because there, it wasn't dark and there were no problems, no storms. 
But we find in our lives, verse 1 there, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Because we do face situations that we cannot handle. We do need direction and help. So let's go back to Exodus 3. So Moses' first question is, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? God's answer in verse 12 is, certainly I will be with thee. Now Moses has another question. It's kind of like little children. You know, they have a question about something, and then they might say, why? It's kind of a cute stage if you're just an observer. <laughs> if, you're, if you're the parent, it might get a little old after a while, but it is, it is cute, you know. You tell them something, why? You tell them why, and they say why. You tell them why, and they say why. It just goes on and on. Well, Moses is kind of in that mode as one of God's children. And he has another question in 3.13, Exodus 3.13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now, to us, that may seem like a rather simple question or even a foolish question. Well, just tell them God sent you. The problem is, is is Egypt had many false gods. They worshipped the Nile River. They worshipped Pharaoh. They worshipped the sun. Um, God mentions the ten plagues aimed at their gods. So they looked at all kinds of things as gods. Um, So, actually, it was a very legitimate question. Who do I say sent me? Now, you have to remember that Israel was in Egypt 430 years from the point where they went down to Joseph. Remember the famine? Pharaoh had the dreams um, about the years of plenty and the years of famine. And so, Joseph is summoned out of prison because no one else can interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Joseph interprets them, seven years of great plenty, seven years of great famine. Joseph gives them some advice. Set someone over this matter and, you know, bring in certain amounts. So he set Joseph over the matter. And so his brothers and his dad are facing famine back in the land of Canaan. So he ends up calling them down to two of them, and they stay. Israel stays there 430 years. Um, notice in chapter 12, Exodus 12. Exodus 12 and verse 40. Exodus 12, 40. It says, Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelled in Egypt was what? 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the what? The selfsame day it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. So exactly 430 years later to the day, the day that Israel moved into Egypt, that exact same day of the year, 430 years later, they left that night when the Passover was going on to the exact day, 400. So it was kind of an anniversary there. Now, so 430 years. Now, America, our forefathers signed the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 
1776, and we officially became a nation. Now, that was 246 years ago. 246 years ago. Tell me, how has America done spiritually in 246 years? Yes, down. I mean, our forefathers in Washington, D.C. carved scripture all over in those monuments. You go go look at them. But let a politician now quote from the Bible, and what happens? <gasps> that guy's a religious fanatic. We can't trust him. Why, he's, he believes the Bible. Why, in the Bible, they, they killed people if they sinned. Why, if we put him in office or if we keep him in office, he'll kill us all. I mean, they panic, don't they? They absolutely panic. You bring up scripture in the school, they panic. Bring up scripture in a college setting, you'll, you'll be crucified. Not literally, but uh, that's the attitude. So we're talking 246 years, and we are about as secular as secular can be. I mean, what are they doing now in the matter of abortion? You know, the Supreme Court says it's not a federal mandate. States can make their own decision. So, I mean, we have these people panicking. We have politicians that are panicking. We have politicians that for this next election are running on the matter of abortion, saying, if you elect me, I will make sure you have that right. That right to do what? To slaughter an innocent baby that's still in the womb. I mean, and we're only 246 years down the road. Can you imagine, if the Lord tarries his coming, where will America be unless we experience a great revival, a great awakening? Where will America be at 430 years? We'll be just like Egypt. I mean, right now, in America, politicians are, are no longer always sworn in on the Bible, some of them have been sworn in on the Quran, the Muslim book. Uh, you know, pretty soon, and maybe some already have been, pretty soon they'll, be, they'll have some book of Satan and will be sworn in on that, and no one will say anything. It's, it's bad. And we're only 246 years down the road. Israel had been in Egypt for 430 years. There are all kinds of false gods in America now, and they're all pressing to be recognized as a religion. So as far down as we are right now, Moses had a legitimate question. Who do I say sent me? Um, so in Exodus three fourteen, let's go back to Exodus three and verse fourteen. What does God say? God says in Exodus three fourteen, and God said unto Moses, "I am that I am." And He said, "Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you." I am means to exist. It's a being verb, and you look at right up in Strong's Concordance. This very Hebrew word means to exist. So what is God saying? <clears throat> Moses is saying, 
Lord, your people have been 430 years in a pagan society, in an idolatrous society, where they have a multitude of gods, little g. God, who do I say sent me? If I just say God sent me, they're just going to add me and God to a, to a, the list of their gods. So God says, you tell them I am sent you. You tell them the God who really exists sent you. And there's only one God who really exists. And that's the true and the living God. Now, this, this was important to, to know because Israel, even after Moses leads them out, they are ready in a split second to revert back to the ways they've lived for 430 years. Notice in Exodus 32. Exodus 32. You would think with all of the miracles which they've seen, the ten plagues and the miracle. Miracles that they've seen, delivering them out of Egypt. You would think that for many, many years, they would be steadfast serving the Lord, but not so. In Exodus 32, 1, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron, and said unto him, Up, and then what? Make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. Make us gods, which shall go before us. Moses had been missing just 40 days. Moses, they knew he was up on the mountain of fire. God had descended, his glory had descended upon the mountain. It burned with fire and smoke, and the mountain shook. And he'd been gone 40 days, so they thought, well, I guess he's probably dead by now up there. Who could live up there with what's going on? And so they quickly say after just 40 days, up make us gods. It's plural. How could they say such a thing? You look back in chapter, hold your place here, look back in chapter 20. In chapter 20, they just heard God speak from the mount. What was the very first thing he said unto them in Exodus 20, verse 3? God said, and they heard his voice say this, Thou shalt have no other, what? Gods before me. Verse 4, Thou shalt not make unto thee any, what? Graven image. The very first two things he said, the very first two things they heard him speak from that mountain on fire and that shaking mountain. And in chapter 32, Moses is missing just 40 days, and they say, up, make us gods. They broke the very first commandment that God gave them. They broke it. They're reverting back to their Egyptian days, where there was a multitude of gods, idols. And so what does Aaron do? Exodus 32, 2. Does he say, wait a minute, did you forget those words you heard from the mount? Don't you remember the very first command he gave us to make no other gods? No, what does Aaron do? Verse 2, And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. 
And all the people brake off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received him at their hand and fashioned it with what? A graving tool. After he had made it a what? Molten calf. He did the exact opposite of what God said. He broke the second command where they were not to make any graven images. And what did he do? He gets out his graving tool and makes a golden calf for the people. And then they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. So it was a legitimate question. God, what do I say to these people? Who, Who sent me? God said, you tell them I am. You tell them the God that exists sent you. Um, Notice in Jeremiah 10. So our time is up, but we're just getting to the first point of the Lord is. Jeremiah 10 and verse 10. The Lord is. The Lord is what? Jeremiah 10.10. But the Lord is what? The true God. God. He is the living God. So it goes back to Moses. He's the one that really exists because no other gods really live. They're just idols. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. When did God have to give this to his prophet? Jeremiah. So you have... Israel, God makes of Abraham a nation, the nation of Israel. They fall into sin, and so what happens? They go down into Egypt. They're there 430 years. God delivers them, brings them back to the promised land. What happens? They fall into sin again. This is the day of Jeremiah. They fall into sin, and so what does God do? He sends Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, to conquer the southern tribes. The king of Assyria had already conquered the the ten northern tribes and deported them. Nebuchadnezzar comes along, conquers the southern tribes of Israel, and deports most of them. And so now all of Israel is dispersed in the countries of the world. And so what does God tell Jeremiah to tell his people The Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. Ezekiel lives at the same time as Jeremiah. Ezekiel is in Babylon Babylon captive. Jeremiah is still back with the very few left in Israel, and he'll be forced to go down into Egypt. Um, So God is speaking to their, their hearts here, but to Ezekiel, God will tell Ezekiel to dig through the wall and see what the ancients are doing in the temple. Do you know what he finds them doing? He finds them with their backs toward the temple and they're bowing down toward the sun. They're worshiping the sun. Do you know who worshiped the sun in the Old Testament? The Egyptians worshiped the sun. So Israel has been through all of this. They've lived in Egypt. They've been delivered then from Egypt back to the promised land. And what are they back to in the days of Ezekiel and Jeremiah? They're worshiping the sun again. So what does God have to tell them through Jeremiah? Verse 10, the same thing 
He told Moses, who do I say sent me? You tell him I am sent. You tell him the God who exists sent you. Jeremiah is having to say the same thing, 10.10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. Verse 11, thus shall ye say unto them, the who? The The gods, little g, the gods that have what? Not made the heavens and the earth. Even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. All these idols, they're going to perish, but not the true and the living God. So we are living in a day just like one of these bad days of Israel. Whether it's back when they were taken to Egypt and lived there 430 years, or whether taken captive to Babylon, we are living in a godless society And may God help us to show forth in our lives that we serve not just a God, not just one of the many gods. May God help us to show this world and this nation that we serve the true God, the living God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we truly are living in a godless age and Truly, they need to hear who the true God is because most people don't seem to have a clue. Lord, please use us. Please use our lips. Lord, we are not eloquent. Lord, we have no strength of our own. But we're asking you, Lord, please, please be with us. Please bless us that we can cause the people of Greenville and Michigan and our country and the countries of this world, that we could be used of you to tell them of the true and the living God, the the God who really exists, and the God before whom all of us will bow the knee one day. Lord, please use us for thy glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. Next service starts in just a little bit here.